What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bit by Bit podcast, the only show approved for robot consumption. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Phillips. Uh, not heard today will be Blake Walker due to technical issues. Uh, today's episode will be a continuation of the interview from last week with Hayden Gertz, Trenton Phillips, and Carrie Shago. We're going to be covering Magic the Gathering and some of the basics of it. So if it's new to you, maybe you'll pick up something uh, you might enjoy. If it's old hat, then uh, hopefully they've got some cool thoughts that uh, you can share together. So let's get into it. So, all three of you are varying levels of Magic the Gathering players. Magic the what? What's that? Have I've never heard of it? <laughs> Money the Gathering? Money the Gathering? <laughs> well, I'm, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask you. Not unfair. Um, so, can you kind of give me uh, the basics, the, the, the general concept of Magic the Gathering? Well, came out in 93, a guy named uh, Richard Garfield. May he live in infamy? Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he's, he's made other games, but this by far is the most popular one. Uh, made this game with the intention of it being a trading card game. Trading card games did not exist. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, you name it. They all have magic to thank. And the idea was that there would be enough cards that you could go to your school or go to another school or go to your cousin's house or whatever, and they would have cards that you didn't have, and you could trade and make different decks. Turns out that there were certain cards that were just too good in those decks, and uh, they didn't print enough. They had to print more. More expansions and more expansions were printed, and here we are, uh, you know, 21-ish years later, and there have been billions and billions and possibly, you know, 50, 100 billion cards printed. Just a crazy amount. And, uh, there are, there are five colors, and you kind of uh, get your personality and your 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 way of life when it comes to magic. You, you choose one or two of those colors, and then you, you tend to play those colors. And uh, there's there's all sorts of other specifics, but that's that's basically it. You play as a planeswalker type person, a, a walker of planes, P L A N E S. And so when a player goes and plays a certain set, sooner or later that set will end, the storyline will end. And then they'll go to a different plane. That's what allows them to go from, you know, uh, underwater to pirates to Egyptian to all these different, all these different backgrounds and, and shenanigans like that. And that's basically it. It's happened for 21 years, and people can't get enough. There's 20 million players worldwide still growing. It's kind of peaked out a few a few years ago, but it's still it's still growing, just not as steadily. But it's very relevant. Yeah. still. Yeah, it's still very relevant. Yeah, and of it's. Right on the precipice of being argued for uh, esports, so mm. it's right there. It's just kind of the, the first one, and no one disagrees that it's that uh, it's de- it's definitely the best one. But what about so. Yu-Gi-Oh, man? Hey, game sucks. Hey, <laughs> it's, not, it's not it's not good. All of, all of the best elements of those in Pokemon got them for Magic, and there's really no other way to say it. Obviously, there's you know reasons for kids to go to, to Pokemon or whatever. The cards are colorful, and and you know you grow up with the shows and all that stuff, but the the mechanics, the way the game works, the interaction, the yeah. way that you play with somebody else, 
Magic is magic is the the gold standard. I will say, <laughs> uh, speaking of Yu-Gi-Oh, I definitely jumped on the ran- wrong bandwagon with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I like as soon as the show came out, um, I was just, awesome. oh man, all in. Like <laughs> there were Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, and Digimon all came out at the same time, and of course. They were all spiky-haired anime, so my mom thought they were of the devil. Spot the protagonist. <laughs> and so I, I watched I watched them anyway. I got obsessed with the cards. Digimon was the first one to fall off uh, for me. Pokemon, I would say I still kind of play a little bit now and then. You can't miss it as a nerd. Like, you, Pokemon is still relevant. They just made a Pokemon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting game. You know, it's basically Tekken. Pokemon, the, Tekken. The, the thing that ruined... Well, side note on side note. The thing that ruined Pokemon for me was a few of my friends and I, we did our own Nuzlocke challenges. Nice. Where we just created our own custom rules and you couldn't couldn't break those. And if you did, it was game over. Mine was I could heal myself at home or in the um, Poke Center of a town that I had beaten the gym in. Oh. And... If you got into an area, you had you could only catch the first Pokemon that you encounter the first new Pokemon that you encountered. So if I had otherwise I'd have like five hundred Pidgeys. Right. Um and I made it all the way to like the first cave and just got demolished. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so much work into it. And ever since then I was like I could play this the normal way, but I know I still have this want to play it with those rules. Um, but I know that if I play them, I'm just going to die. It's going to Dark Souls me. And I'm <laughs> For sure. Um, Did you ever do the original Nuzlocke? No. Uh, we started to, but then we expanded. Our uh, it's a little difficult. It is. <laughs> I never had the balls to even go for it because I don't want to really do this. Uh, but with Yu-Gi-Oh!, I... Like I said, I, I I got all into it. I loved Yu-Gi-Oh contains an essence that I love in storytelling, where there's a very small element that's introduced ahead of time, uh, and you you really almost forget about it, and then at the very end, boom, it's revealed, and you're like, it's been there this whole time. <laughs> what do they call that the uh, the gun on the mantle in the first act goes off in the third. Is that yeah something that like that? Yeah, very. Uh, actorish saying mm-hmm. it's like you that's actually really good storytelling is mm-hmm. having a small bit of information given to the people that are watching at the very beginning mm-hmm. and then it at you know the third act you know that mm-hmm. becomes relevant saw, it becomes yeah. super relevant they're like oh my gosh i held on to that information and it paid off like that's it's beautiful really it's that's my favorite thing in stories that's why uh kid shows like teen titans um Shaolin Showdown, um, Jackie Chan Adventures, all these things that had like these items and stuff like that that you would come across or characters and then they would just solve this unsolvable problem later on. How often are we allowed to amen during the podcast? <laughs> as much as you want. <laughs> they paid you off for, for being a consistent, loyal viewer. Yes. For watching on season three, even though the cube that they found in Selma Bandit Pyramid was in season one. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. Absolutely. So that was my that was my Yu-Gi-Oh rant. <laughs> uh, so we mentioned money is a big issue 
with Magic the Gathering. It obviously takes... It's, it's, from what I've heard, it's a very expensive hobby. So is, the, is does that hold any water? Is there is that a true thing, or is it all about how you play? Well, there's the the core concept is that the people that want to play... The, the reason most people play Magic are the expensive versions. Once you get into Magic for a while, there's ways to play it while spending little to no money. But new people... And even people who play it all the time have their favorite ways to play it, and those tend to be more expensive. On one end, you have these really old cards that came out in 93 or 94, and they're so good, and they're so, they're so expensive that people, uh, quote, revolted and said, you cannot reprint these cards uh, because then all these cards that we spent so much money to save up will be worth nothing. So if you want to play those older formats, you can't without spending five, sometimes six figures if you were to, to make enough different decks to be able to play in any sort of uh, metagame where you have different, you know, certain decks that are good against certain decks and you want to have multiple decks that are good in certain matchups. On the other side of the spectrum is the, the, the concept of new cards. So a card comes out in a new set. It's important to have a play set of them, which is known as four, four of, because you can only have four of any type of card that isn't a basic land. And so everybody needs to get their playset of a certain card. A year later, that card is no longer legal in the newest format, which is called Standard. So everybody everybody needs the same cards at the same time. So the price skyrockets. And at the same time for you, me, Sally, Willie McGee down the street, they all become worthless at the same time. And so nobody wants to buy them from anybody else. And then they go, you know, into the into the void, whatever. Just become, you know, shash kind of random cards that people have. And so now you spent all this money to to make this deck, and it's worth nothing. Mm. And so there's the middle ground is few and far between. Most people kind of make one deck, and they just try to ride it. They just try to take it as long as possible, tweak a card here and there. In the older formats, they'll play one deck. Sometimes a new card will come out that can be uh, slotted into that deck. For the most part, people only have one deck. They're the people who have four or five decks that are, are rich or they've had those cards forever or they neglect other responsibilities like school and rent. You know, yeah. more important things in the, in, the, in the larger picture. But on once again, one side is we don't want to reprint these cards and no one wants to give them up. And they're specifically for older formats because they're so good they can only be used in certain formats. And then the other side is... Well, if you want this card, you have to buy it at an inflated price because it was just released today. Everybody else needs it. And at the same time, for everybody, once it rotates out, it's no longer necessary. It becomes worthless. Pennies to the dollar. So a lot of the money is uh, like that saying, like it's a very expensive hobby. It's true. The money's there. It's just um, the more popular ways to play Magic don't have you buying cards consistently to... Uh, break your bank right and competitively there are um the ways to earn back your money is to get so good that you can make that money back and um, that has you buying cards all the time because you have to keep up with standard and continue to do well um, but the uh the normal thing for a lot of our ca us casual players is to just buy a few of the cards that you want uh, build a deck for it and it's um a, a lot less expensive so the there's de definitely a part where that's true the money thing is true but there's a there's a fun area where it's not so true or mm -hmm. you might spend a little money but you'll only spend that money once and uh, once you've committed that money to that card you're you're golden for 
uh, quite a lot of time. Casual's where it's at, baby. Yeah, Trenton's, <laughs> Trenton's much more about the casual format where you could take a card and, and play it in, in lieu of another card that's very, very similar, but it does something slightly different than in a constructed format that's much more about competition and winning. For sure. Those, those cards become much more expensive because those little niche differences are the are the reason that certain cards are played. And when a certain card that has never existed before comes out with um, this idea or ability on a card that's only exists that only exists on this card, everybody has to have it. It's a fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred dollar card. People can't deal with that and, you know, still buy their grandma a Christmas present, you know. Right, right. Priorities. Priorities. And if we want to touch on it real quick, the the other end of that that the older um, sets that he was talking about is called the band list. And yeah, it's a um, particularly dark side of magic where um, cards became more valuable than their value in having fun. So, um, whenever people started buying those cards, they said, uh, "We don't want anybody." I think Hayden said this. Um, we don't want anybody to reprint these cards because of the money that. It became a collectible. That's an easy way to say it. Yeah. The card became a collectible instead of being a, a magic card to be played. And that, that is probably the darkest side of magic. When a card goes into the, the uh, not-to-be-reprinted list, it just uh, we get a little closer to magic being a, a collector's thing instead of... Instead of an actual game that you can enjoy. To have fun with. Which is, okay. standard keeps that alive, but either way, on either end of, of this, um, this trail of magic, it's expensive. So to piggyback off what Trenton is getting at, in Standard you have these uh, these sets that they take the most recent five to eight sets or so, and they have these cards, and so now you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You can you can play these, uh, you can buy these new cards, and then they'll soon be worth nothing, or you can just shovel out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to play one deck from an older format, and if it turns out you don't like that deck, then too bad, you're stuck with these cards that you have to do more work, end up taking money from yourself to sell to somebody else or trade or whatever it is because if they don't unban those cards then the only sets you're allowed to play are the new ones and that includes spending upwards of six or seven hundred dollars for a single deck that number has come down in more uh, the last year or so the average standard deck is two to three hundred those numbers aren't exact but for a while there was six seven eight hundred dollars for a lot of decks to be top tier uh decks that would win tournaments you know large you know, hundred and hundred a person tournament, a thousand person tournament. You need to spend airfare, hotel, money, all sorts of stuff, planning, time, sleeves, the cards themselves. So it's it's a it's a hard thing to get into, but it's really the only way to make money in it is to be competitive. And so you you know you, you either play for one hundred percent fun or you play for one hundred percent competitiveness. It's hard to find a niche where you can win on all levels because you end up getting burnt somewhere. So you all have things about magic that really draw you to it. Um, Carrie, what's for you, for you? What would you say is the thing that draws you to magic? What's your experience with it? My experience with it is. It goes back pretty far, but it's been very inconsistent, so I don't have very much experience with it, comparatively. Mm. Um, I have introduced a few people to magic, and I'm good enough to seem good to them, but um, my knowledge of the game is uh, very mid-tier, and it pertains to more recent uh, releases and sets and 
things have been released, and only a little bit from the past, like when I've been involved, um, fifteen odd years ago when I mm-hmm. first started playing it. The reason I find it interesting, even still, and why I just don't walk away from it, is because it really is just that interesting, and there are that many things that you can get from the game. Mm-hmm. There's a creative story elements. There are. Uh, mechanical elements, there's a creative side to things where if you just want to create a theme for your deck and also try to uh, make that deck competitive, you have those restrictions that you can place upon yourselves, which mm-hmm. in some people's view is the um, foundation for artistic creativity. Mm, stuff yeah. like that. For me, it has been useful in being able uh, to see through it to understand other forms of competition. Magic the Gathering is very good as a model for understanding almost any kind of uh, competitive uh, system. Mm-hmm. When I was learning about basketball uh, uh, late last year, mm. I uh, was talking to someone who was really into basketball and trying to understand just the basis for it. Like, what's the goal of basketball? Mm-hmm. How does... How does the... How does the... Um, like... Uh, game progress and what's the idea what are you actually trying to do uh, in a more specific you know how can you phrase that in a more specific way other than like score more points right and do the sports ball (laughs) and what I fell on was (laughs) what I fell on was uh, that for basketball you're just you're not trying to keep the other team from scoring points you're just trying to slow them down and give yourself a higher tempo Mm. okay so like you're just trying to score more points more quickly and uh, I was thinking about that, and that's really good. Actually, I was, I was thinking that's a tempo deck. That's like that's a thing in Magic where you're not you're just trying to get the most out of your cards while slowing down your opponent and get the most bang for your buck for each card hmm. you play. And that's true for most of Magic in general. Okay, but this is a very forward moving style of deck. Okay, that's a really really good point. Like in basketball, you have like the low post. So maybe you have a Shaquille O'Neal type character player in this case yeah. who can go down and really, really stick it to him with physical with physical force. And then you have a team like the Golden State Warriors who shoot a bunch of threes. Those are completely different. Those are completely different play attack styles. attack play styles. And the tempo style that you're talking about and Magic is that you're giving up the fact that you have so many cards in your hand. You're just giving up the value of those cards in order to gain time. Because you're trying to win the game before the card disadvantage that you just accrued doesn't matter because you killed them already. It's just attacking on a completely different front. That I really sure. like the way that you phrase that because you could do that in basketball, but nobody nobody thinks of it in those terms. They just go, score goal unit, basket, 100 <laughs> points to 70 points. They got creamed when in reality, maybe it was just the one interaction. Maybe their best player is five foot nine, and their be- and the other team's player is... Best player is seven foot one. Yeah. You know, it's really just that one little interaction, and helps you understand it on a deeper level. I like yeah, that a lot. That was really good. Yeah. It, but it's also interesting because personality matters mm-hmm. uh, with reference to play style. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're a much more patient kind of person, if you like making a lot of intelligent decisions, mm-hmm. and if you like you play green, right? <laughs> uh, don't mislead people. Um, you. Uh, like you want to play a deck that allows you to do that. If you really like to know your opponent and understand the logic of their deck, there's a play style for that. Yeah. Um, if you if you just want to be aggressive and you're that kind of guy who just likes to 
go in and wreck face, there's a play style for that, and then there's everything in the middle. Absolutely. It yeah, like, you count your losses in all the categories where you can't, and all the areas where you're like, well, I can't do that. You just play to your strengths, and that usually involves uh, giving your opponents an opportunity to exploit your weakness. And so you just go, yep, I'm just going to shoot a lot of threes, or yeah, I'm going to come at you and say, if you if you don't have an answer for my, my dudes on the yeah. board, then you're just dead. You know, et cetera, et cetera. There are, like, big instances in which uh, certain play styles get just way out of whack. Mm-hmm. But those times are extremely memorable, to me, it seems, because they don't happen that often. Okay. Magic tends to be, as far as my observations go, a very well-balanced game. Mm. In that there there is rarely a time when a certain play style just runs amok and can't be uh, held back and reined in, but... Yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to that for sure. We saw that in standard recently. Well, we saw the opposite in standard, where there are certain cards that have been printed that are too powerful, and so uh, research and development Meaning at Wizards the, of the Coast. The cards that can't be held back. Right, 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 right. Wizards of the Coast, the <coughs> company that that owns and produces Magic, has said, whoa, 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 we made these cards that are too good, and they've had to ban them, and it's been kind of a, a huge controversial point in Magic. But for the most part, yeah. When a deck is too good, someone else comes along with a deck that's really good against the deck that's too good, and that, and things kind of settle, and, yeah. and the metagame is created. It makes sense that um, a game like Magic has a strong um, balanced base to it, and consistently balanced base to it, because looking at, again, the Yu-Gi-Oh! and all these yeah. other things that it is blatantly influenced, like, yeah. this is like... This is your grandfather's card game. <laughs> like, no joke. It liter- legitimately could be your grandfather's card game that he passed down to you. Like, yeah. That's how far this goes back. Yeah. We're getting to a point now it could be grandfathers and grandfathers, uh, great-grandfathers. Like, yeah. Legitimately, the generation after us will be people who have uh, had their... Great, like we just like I just said, the great grandfathers have played Magic and stuff. So yeah, the best players in the world when the when the game first came out, that were teenagers, you know, early twenties, are now in their forties, late forties, and their kids are now old enough to play competitively. Mm-hmm. And so now people are known to have kids that that you know are playing competitive Magic and go, yeah, that's my dad. You know, that thing is it's right on the cusp. It's happening right now. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, um, Trent. What what is it about Magic that draws you in? Uh, I would say the story for a lot of the um, cards that you see are what draw me to it. I've always been story-driven. Like yeah. I just find a lot of um, learning and understanding through storytelling, and Magic has that, has that place. Um, I would say it started in... Uh, I really got delved into fantasy with Dungeons & Dragons when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't learn about Magic until college, uh, thanks to our Mr. Hayden Gertz over here. Um, <laughs> Do what I can. Shout out to that awesome man. He um, he just started off by playing very simple decks. Like we just played the uh, Color Pie, which we'll get into later. Um, I played uh, my favorite deck, which was green, and he played his, which was blue. And he consistently showed me that blue was superior in every way. <laughs> um, until I've, I've decided to play a different color... Um, was able to get some ground. I don't know that I actually ever won a game in those early years of Magic. I had, you know, five years of experience on you when you were just... Just learning. You didn't even know all the rules. But it was a great way to learn because I get to see the different ways that each color worked. But uh, a lot of the cards that I got to see were 
uh, very rich in story, uh, which I don't even know if we have, we don't even have enough time to go through a synopsis of every story that has been told in Magic. A quick one that we I got to play with that green deck was uh, a creature type called Eldrazi, which are these huge um, world-wrecking creatures that and Green's thing is all about being big, um, so that these world-wrecking creatures that come in and, and want to destroy worlds. And for a game that I had never touched before, to be the what I what I viewed as the bad guy really early on was like, oh, this is really fun. And it's only grown from there. Um, there are so many stories in fantasy, just the idea of fantasy, and magic has been around long enough to encompass all of those stories. Um, like legitimately, you can find anything you want: horror. Uh, seafaring like pirates um you can find elves against uh orcs against anything you want really uh go to the icy tundra you can have dragon wars you, uh, legitimately if there's something that you want to play there's even a, an aladdin set so arabian nights is one of the That's sets awesome. that came out so the stories are what really got me into it and um, with a little help from my friend over here that really that's really how it kicked off for me i even got to introduce it to my friend's um, after I went back home from college, mm. like my <laughs> my friend who plays it ten times more than I do now, um, he had no clue what magic was. He scoffed at it whenever I told him, <laughs> and now he and him and his brother own like a uh, hundred thousand cards easily. Yeah, and, that's usually the way it goes. You've never heard of the game, or you've been playing it off and on for years. There's very little middle ground. <clears throat> and once they learned about it, they really got into it, and yeah. so it's a uh, because it has a hook for everybody. It really nope. oh, I hate that game. Said no one ever. There's something, <laughs> or if there's they something did, for everybody. They just haven't learned enough it's, about it. I to... hate books, but I love movies, and they, <laughs> I can read a card and I can look at a picture. They're they're making a movie. They're working on it right now. It's a very bold statement, but yeah. I find it to be true. Yeah, yeah. There's just what too, I said. Yeah, yeah. There's just too many variety of things that just appeals to a variety of personalities. Yeah, I just feel like if you don't like it, you haven't understood it. There, there are three basic personalities that have kind of. Uh, dominated the way that you describe yourself, and they are Johnny, Timmy, and Spike, and they're the way you approach a game. Spike is that you always want to win, and then the other ones have different things, and they've recently, not recently, but in the last few years, one has become more popular called Vorthos, which is really about the flavor and the storyline that goes with these sets, because people weren't being represented, and so they said, well, what about us? And so now there's a name for it. It's not exactly, nobody revolted or, or right, threw up a right, hissy right, fit right. or anything. But even then, the, you, they thought they had categories to describe everybody. Nope, there's a new category because everybody loves a good story. Uh, so Hayden, you obviously know an insane amount about magic. I read for fun. I, I read, like, rules. Like, I, I, I could take a test. I could take a, a judge test and probably pass it. Uh, and uh, my brothers played it. That's why I first discovered it back in... 97, my brother's cars were under his, ba- uh, under his bed. He wouldn't let me touch them. But uh, I, I read those types of things for fun. I won't, I read Lord of the Rings, and that's about it. So I read, you know, chess books and stuff like this. So I just have a bunch of useless knowledge, and so now it's just all coming out because there are lots of people who know way more than me, but I also have a life and a girlfriend, so I'll count my losses. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what, what initially got you into magic? Well, I actually learned from a... Uh, uh, a local game store in my 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 small town in central Illinois, where uh, I also learned to play Halo. So I just kind of a, a word that was actually used then that I actually it's one of my favorite words. I don't know why, I just it's, it comes off the tongue, gregarious. And I I used it in grade school when I first heard it, 
And then I discovered that it was actually exactly why I liked magic is because it allowed me to be sociable when I was a complete nerd in grade school and nobody, my best friend, if you can even call him that, was a huge nerd, but he was actually liked by the cool kids. I was not. I was in band. We were both in band. I liked sports. He did not, but I still couldn't figure it out. I went to this place and everybody wiped the floor with me with playing these games, Halo and Magic, but I felt at home. Like I was able to say and do what I wanted and people just said, no, 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 that's, you could do it that way. Have you tried this? And I finally found that you could be, you know, you could be cool and a nerd. And so I started to play Magic and then I I grew up a little bit, got out of high school and ended up uh, doing other things with my life and came back to it. And it's just kind of been, it, it was always there. It just never went away. And so now, yeah, awesome. now, now, yeah. now I just have the, the biggest reason I'm still in it is, is, a, is a cool little short story here where I played in high school and my parents said, particularly junior high, and they said, you are getting decent grades, B plus as A minus, but you're an A student and you are not getting straight A's. So therefore the magic cards go away. So they hide the cards in the attic of our four story house, basement uh, and an attic. And upstairs, obviously. And so fast forward 10 years and my mom, who, who still owns the house I grew up in at the time, calls me and says, we have tax information in the attic. Will you go over to the house, ask to knock on the door, let the tenants let you in? I went up to the attic and lo and behold, there are the cards that she took from me that are sitting in mint condition that are worth somewhere between, you know, $800 and $1,500. Wow. And it's just a, an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money for... Uh, 12-year-old Hayden looking back and going, oh my gosh. And the funny thing is, is that I would have gotten rid of those cards. I would have broken them. I'm a fidgeter. I would have sold them or lost them or whatever. But my mom, my, my knight in shining armor, uh, did me a solid and said, you know what? I'm just going to put these away from you and uh, pretend like they're you know not there. And then all of a sudden I, I remembered it. She told me to go over to the house and there they are. And that's what got me back into it. So now the problem that I mentioned earlier with money is not my problem. I've made a modern deck, which is a format between the really old sets and the really new sets, and I, I, I built it for free. I still have, you know, seven, 70, 100, 300 cards that are worth real value that are not, but I'm talking about $40, $50, $60 a piece yeah. that are worth real value that are just sitting there going, oh, the next set's coming out? Cool. I'll trade you three, three cards, and I'll buy that box with 36 boosters in it for free. That's awesome. I, I just don't have to pay for magic. I pay for gas, and <coughs> that's it. I just don't have to pay, and it's what feeds the it's what feed, excuse me what feeds the addiction, but more more specifically the hobby. Wow. I've got other things that I like. So you, were, I'm sure like you were and stuff. you were frustrated with your mom for a while, but I bought her a microwave <laughs> to appease the fact that uh, I I told her about that. She was a little upset, but her kitchen was now fully matched. That's good. So, uh, <laughs> so we felt a little better. Much love for mom. Yeah. yeah. She still doesn't love that I play it, but my brother and I play it. We just play it for fun now because I don't play. I went to one competitive match, one competitive tournament, and I almost, what they call day two, which is to, to cut the field in half. I almost made the second half of the field, but I was a, a couple wins short. So I, it was an entire trip to Indy, which was real money. I had to pay for a hotel and I had to pay for gas and all this stuff. And even then I was, I told my friends, Hey, you need this card for your deck? Cool. Buy it for me. Now you pay for my section of the hotel. Hmm. So even then I paid $50 for the weekend and that includes food and all that stuff. It's just not something that I'm good enough to do consistently, nor could I do it and be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, nor could I do it and, and feel, <laughs> feel good about life. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't. My favorite, I'm going to piggyback on, on Carrie for a second. Uh, what he said about 
a little bit for everything. Uh, in case I don't get another chance to say this, my favorite quote about magic is this little, um, it's pretty big now. At the time, it was kind of small. This YouTube channel called Loading Ready Run. They're based in Canada, but they do little magic, magic sketches. And this guy, they're, they're all getting together to do what's called draft. And this guy says, um, yeah, I, I couldn't play magic. I had, I had too much schoolwork to do. And this other guy who's trying to convince him to play more magic says, what, what can school teach you that magic can't? It's got math, reading comprehension, literature, art, and awkward social situations. It has it all. <laughs> and that kind of encompasses why magic is great for me. No joke. Uh, another great story is there's this guy on YouTube. Another another guy just happens to be on YouTube. It's not like I'm in love with YouTube or anything. But he just had to be – I actually listened to him because he's a music, musician and he likes foreign languages, which I also like. And he had to take his uh, master's uh, tests in order to be able to go to uh, doctorate school. And he forgot to study one day and aced the test because all of the tough words that he didn't know, he just knew from playing magic. Hmm. Just incidental overlap to become a trilingual, uh, you know, owner of a doctorate. There's wow. a, there's a more crazy. tactful way to say that. But he, he just forgot to study as much as he should and just knew all the words because magic is that great. It's just got a little bit of everything for everybody. So earlier, uh, I caught the word color. What was it color wheel? Color pie. Color pie. Yeah. What's what's color pie? Co- color pie is this concept that says that the five colors are in unison: blue, black, white, red, green. And the different colors are different decks styles, right? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. They each represent a lot of different things, but to a magic player, they kind of associate themselves with a color maybe too because it's very close to their personality, or they like. The, the types of creatures that uh, that those colors produce. Like, for example, blue is about illusion and knowledge and uh, information. And so a blue player is often interested in drawing a lot of cards because that represents the knowledge of your deck. The whole deck represents um, your spells all your you information know. that all the information that you know in the world. All you know, your your entire brain and what's in your hand. The, the cards that you have in your hand represents what you know now. You know, your conscious, your your uh, short-term memory, that kind of thing. And that's, you know, blue play- players like to be able to have lots of knowledge. They, en- they enjoy information, they enjoy books, that kind of thing. That's your Other, favorite too. That is my favorite color, yeah. yeah. And that's just kind of why, I, that's why it's my favorite color, because I love card advantage. I love to be able to look at my hand and go, I have 13 options. To, I, have, I get to play one, you know, one card, I have 13 options. Now I get to look, I get to break it down like chess and look at all of the potential avenues to get to get where I am, all the permutations of getting where I where I want to go. Now, but you, you can't mix decks, right? Oh yeah. Like you, you, you play can, straight one color, right? Oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Oh you can? Oh yeah, you can you do can all sorts them? of stuff. You can do yes, whatever you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think that's something that I misunderstood. I thought you always had to play only a blue deck or only but you can have a, a mostly blue deck with some black or white cards mixed yes, in. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I think more people prefer to play with a mixed uh, deck rather than a single color type. Gotcha. Um, the, there's simplicity in a single color. Mm-hmm. Where there's assured uh, assuredness in your um, ability to play cards um, based on your um, your lands produce uh, mana, which is your, your resource to play cards. And so um, 
be playing one color means that you know your resources that you draw are mm-hmm. going to be on color for the cards you have in your hand. And that's the danger of playing multiple colors is you don't know if you'll have the resources at hand. Um, which kind of ties back into our discussion about price earlier because <coughs> the pricier cards of Magic allow you to play those multicolored cards a lot gotcha. easier. Gotcha. So um, there's simplicity in a single color. There's also there's also some danger. Some some cards just straight up shut down a single color deck. So, mm. uh, I'm actually a big fan of playing green, but I know if I run into a, a few deck types, um, they'll just make it so that I can't play green cards, and that means I can't play Magic. So you have to develop a multicolor personality as well as a single color personality if at all a single color um i i enjoyed it because that's how hayden started me off playing um what's the what's the basis behind green uh green is all about creatures and i don't mean small creatures i mean big creatures and they want to get there um as fast as possible so to do that they uh the term is called ramp uh you ramp up the amount of um uh production of your resources that you have to get to those big creatures faster so whereas blue like hayden said likes uh, their resources they like to draw cards they want to make sure that their um their options are open uh green sacrifices options to get to be able to play big options and um honestly the the biggest threats are usually in green um you you can and it's uh quicker So, so blue has definitely has some big threats in there but they're not going to play them until late game. They're, the big threats in blue are going to be wait, be patient. And green's all about do it now. Hard and fast. Get, just hard and fast, there. for sure. Uh, and there's some mixing in red in there. Red's definitely faster, uh, which I can leave for uh, somebody else to talk about. But green, uh, green's, my, green's my wheelhouse. Green's my, uh, my place. You got nature, wildlife, um, uh, spiritual tradition. Uh, connectiveness it's all in there like green is nature it's mm-hmm. just like if you're gonna go out in the woods uh you see green all around you like that's what it is yeah green's about all of the, the creatures that exist in the real world elephants ah, and okay. ox, that's good that's a good point and yes, all of sure. all of, like you just instead of instead of spending all your time opening up your options like you would in blue or just playing a bunch of really dinky small creatures that could overwhelm you early like you would in another color like red Green just says, you know what? I'm going to play two lands a turn. I'm going to put seven resources in play and play one big dumb elephant and say, can you deal with this? No, I win. Yeah. So if you can imagine like the growth of nature, like you're, you're speeding on development, you're speeding on evolution, the development of species and mm. um, from a flavor perspective. Yeah, that's definitely uh, in there. And so their, their sub abilities are um, pumping up those creatures that are already big and making them even bigger so where green um has like giant growth which gives a creature a, a considerable amount more power and a considerable amount more of uh, defensive ability um when it already had enough to take on most other creatures anyway now it's even bigger now it's even more dangerous than it was yeah, before. Kill you in, instead of killing you in three turns we'll kill you right now right and so that's um that's really what draw me to drew me to green is like this is a threat now. Mm. Um, now, the meta for most games usually includes some way to deal with the big threats like that. Green um, is really hard to play on its own <coughs> in a competitive format. But um, in, a, in a fun format, in a, uh, not in a tabletop format, uh, green's really fun to play. Because you really put somebody in a pickle. Should I play the card that I wanted to play? Or do I play this card that might keep me alive for another turn? And 
That's that's really where I get my love for the screen color. Sometimes your opponent just doesn't draw the removal to be able to remove that creature from the board. It's yeah, in their deck, sure. but they just don't draw it and says, sorry, my big dumb elephant is better than your your one-foot goblin. So the, the, a big benefit to green is being able to, instead of gradually build up, it's, it's just you, you put out something big and strong and they have to react immediately. They yeah. have to be able yeah. to defend against right. it. Right, and there's some... Um, it immediately almost is almost too fast because, uh, as we can get into later, there's a, a summoning sickness is a thing. So when a creature first comes out on the battlefield, uh, it has to wait. It, okay. It you just used your magic to put this thing on the on the battlefield, so it has to wait one turn before it can hit you. But next turn, if you haven't dealt with it by then, it's a real threat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the green is definitely a um, it it breaks a rule. Now we were talking about this a minute ago, but um. You for most of the time you're gonna play one land per turn. That's uh that's definitely a basic rule for the game. Sorry. And and I know this is probably basics that some of our listeners probably already know, but what's a land? Uh so those resources I was talking about a minute ago are um what we call in the game called lands, and essentially you're building the the area that you're going to be casting magic from. Um so our five land types are plains, swamps, mountains, forests, and islands. And you, as a planeswalker, or a wizard, which until we explain what a planeswalker is, um, wizard is an easier way to describe that. Uh, you, as a wizard, you draw your power from these lands. You you, you draw power from the land to cast this ma- this magic. Um, and so each, each type casts a different color of mana. And so, gotcha. like I said, green... Uh, is forest green players get their power from forest and so that's why it's important for green players to um ramp and put more forest out faster so that we have uh more room to play our our bigger creatures that's a little flavor i guess you could use to say that is that uh, we want to make up as much room for our bigger creatures as possible so put out these resources right you couldn't take a little tiny dog pen and put an elephant in it. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't really so you're, fit. You're basically creating the field where your character's going to play. Essentially, the energy where yeah, you can they right. can be able to act, make actions. Now, that's not to say that there's a limit to a number of creatures you can play per lands. Sure, 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 sure. But that uh, that's a good way to look at for new players. Too. Okay, um, there is a limit for the number of lands you can play per turn. Okay, which is one. So one per turn, and green loves to break that rule. Um, but I guess normally you're going to be only playing one land per turn. And so your first turn you're going to have, uh, say, like an acre of land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to use that mana from that land to put one creature out. And the next turn you'll have two acres of land. Now you could put two more of those similar sized creatures out on that land. Or you could put a bigger sized creature on that on those two acres. And the next turn you could put three of the first one. Or a, 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 an even bigger one. And uh, that's, uh, that's how most people... That's almost colors uh, build up their resources. And like I said, green loves to break that rule. Mm-hmm. Break it hard. Right. So while a power and toughness, which is how much power you can deal and how much power you can take before your creature dies, in, in an, uh, on, turn, on, on turn one, you could play a 1-1. One, one. On turn two, you could play a 2-2, two, two, and so on and so forth. While everybody else is on that ratio and that speed, green is too busy playing a 3-3 three, three on turn two and a 4-4 four, four on turn three. So they're not necessarily faster, they're just always one step ahead. They're just barely bigger in order to say, my 4-4 beats your 3-3. Exactly. That kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned green, you mentioned blue, but we didn't really expand on the blue a ton. What's 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 the basis behind blue? You said that it's kind of um, being able to have multiple options and be able to strategically plan out your your moves, which I, is really cool. I like to be able to do that. What's the kind of uh, what's the core of blue? So blue sort of separates players by experience, I find. You not only need to be able to understand how your deck works, you need to understand how your opponent's deck works. Bingo. Because the play style is such that you take a scalpel in and you cut one string and you watch their entire machination fall apart. That's kind of the idea of blue. Okay. Um, it's by far the color that um, dialogues most with what your opponent is doing. Absolutely. Has so, the most interaction. With- yeah, yeah. Your, and so and the your stereo- plan is often to destroy their plan. Yeah, mm. the stereotypical um, sort of way to play blue is as a control playstyle, which is to before you start to develop your own uh, side of the board, you want to be in control of what your opponent is doing. Kind of that control the status quo kind of. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's and it is by far the most psychological playstyle mm. because you you don't just want to be in control; you want your opponent to know that you're in control. Mm-hmm. And you want them to second-guess themselves every time that they think that they want to play something. Hmm. So, um, there's a concept called removal okay. in Magic the Gathering, which if they have a threat on the board, you want to get rid of it. Hmm. And that's just basically it. Uh, you're dialoguing with what they have to offer, and so you want to provide an answer. It's a give and take, right? Hmm. So with blue, a lot of the removal is bouncing, which you just send it back to their hand. Uh, another form of removal is that you can counter the spell that they play before it even reaches the board. Hmm. So they play a card, and you just if you have the right card in your hand, you can just say, no, you don't do that. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's literally taken from a boxing term, mm-hmm. which is that you, you negate their blow mm-hmm. and then return one to, the, to theirs. Okay. So not only did you quell their threat, it doesn't exist, but your threats are now free to attack. To, to so you just forward. totally destroy yeah. their threat while continuing your own plan. It doesn't even reach the board. Mm. So a lot of the time, with Blue, what you're wanting to do is disrupt the flow of what your opponent is trying to do. Make mm-hmm. them waste turns. Mm-hmm. And um, resources. Yeah, make them swing and miss. And so, uh, in boxing, it'd be like, they swing, they miss, they get tired, and then now you're in control. Gotcha, okay. Um, with Black, the removal is a little bit harder. And, and straightforward. <laughs> and brutal. So, like... Harder as in better, but... As in more permanent, yeah. a lot of the time. Oh, okay. So with blue, you bounce it to their hand. But sure, if you yeah. don't have a counter spell in your hand, that you can be able to say, no, you don't play that when they try to play it and send it away, it, they're just going to play it again. Now, they did waste a turn, but you're still going to have to deal with that later. So you have to have a backup plan. And that's a part of blue. You have to have like that in the back of your head. You need to plan for that. But with black, it's much more straightforward. If they play something, you don't like it, you just play a card that says, kill that thing. Hmm. Black is the uh, antithetical color to green. Okay. <laughs> where where we want to ramp up and play these big yeah. things. Yeah. You want to. If black says. Cut it down. If green, we're so sorry. Yeah. Not sorry that you did that, but we're going to destroy that creature. <laughs> if green doesn't have something in play that protects it from your enemy's spells, black is just going to. It doesn't matter how big it is. If black has a spell, and it does, which says. Um, Send target creature to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. It's going to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your discard pile, in yeah. essence. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so some, a misconception that a lot of new players have is that the bigger and more powerful the card is, the better it is. Mm-hmm. 
it just depends on who you're playing against. That's a good point. And like what you're dialoguing with. Mm. So you have uh, a giant blue leviathan that comes out of the seas and is roaring. Uh, Black has a card that just costs three. <laughs> I don't care. Kill it. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it's instant speed. They can play it, and at the end of their turn, you can just be like, okay, bye, and it's mm. gone. You've now you've immediately what it is. Another part of black that I love yeah. is that you put your opponent in positions where they have to make a choice where neither option is good. Right? <laughs> so at least green gives you an option of maybe coming yeah. out okay. Yeah. It's why, like, blue is by far the most psychological. Black is a close second, in my opinion. Very There's, conniving kind of action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're you're the evil mastermind. It will do whatever it takes, including harming itself mm. and for the greater good, which is to win. Mm. Yeah, so there's it, a lot of... And that includes harming them, yeah. There's a lot of stuff where you pay part of your own life for a certain advantage, Okay, and that's interesting. Um, so there's a card called Painful Quandary, <laughs> which was a card that fascinated me. It's probably not the best card because it costs a lot to be able to play, but once it's on the board, um, your opponent has... Uh, every turn has two options. They either pay five life which in a normal game would be an entire fourth of your life that you get from the start, or they can discard two cards. And that's not a choice that anyone wants to be making mm -hmm. during a game of Magic. For reference, the card advantage that our blue player over here was talking about, um, he would lose that card advantage if he decided to discard. Right, he spent all that time eking out tiny incremental advantages over five turns, only to gain two cards over all that. And Black says, just discard two cards, just, oh, and we're man. back on par. Okay. Yeah. And all that work is negated. Green, for reference, Green wants to play its cards and um, get resources out, get its creatures out. But in the middle of that, Black says, get rid of those creatures that you were about to cast, or get rid of those lands that you were about to put out on the battlefield. Uh, so now I'm neither ramping nor playing the big creature because Black got rid of them. Right. That goes back to the color pie where... Everything has something they're really good at, but they also have weaknesses. Ah, so as, they can't as necessarily a, do everything. As a visual aid, it's kind of like a big game of rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, okay. yeah. But you don't know that going in. So it's so you have to you your game plan should be to have a plan. Your second plan should be to change your plan mm. to go against their plan. Gotcha. You know, because you you sit down and you take your first turn. And you play a forest. Mm -hmm. Your opponent now now knows that there is some element of green in your deck. Gotcha. Then your opponent draws the card for their turn. Now they know you're playing green. You don't know what color they're playing, mm -hmm. so you, they already have more information than you. Gotcha. And so it's about leveraging that information and and all and et cetera, et cetera. So the personality that will typically play black is personality that doesn't entirely care about playstyle. They just want to win the game. They're extremely pragmatic. And if this is the shortest way to get to their destination, they're going to do it. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time, a, a common phrase that is spoken is power at all costs, which yeah. means that you're going to see your life total as a resource to get what you want. Yeah, greatness at any cost. Yeah. yeah. doesn't matter what it takes. I'm going to do it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's typically seen as uh, a great pair with blue because blue has a lot of uh, soft uh, dialogue with your opponent. Uh, black has the hard dialogue, and it's very, very uh, good compliment. Uh, they cancel. Yeah. They cancel each other's negative yes, aspects. They, they complement each other very well. But using your resources and getting card advantage, uh, using your life as a resource to get mm -hmm. card advantage. Uh, blue wants that hardcore, so blue and black together. Yeah, 
And there are other ways for black to do some of the things that blue will do. Black, you can very often look at your opponent's hand and keep them like make them discard a card that you don't want them to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the closest thing it has to a counter spell. Um, and in other ways, there's just some fun thematic stuff. Like you can bring zombies back from your graveyard hmm. and the keep recycling these vampires. creatures. Vampires yeah, sure. are fun. Yeah, it's definitely the color that deals with death most. Sure. Yeah. But like being able to get. Uh, being able to recycle your creatures over and over and over again so you don't have to worry about drawing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun, it's stable, and mm-hmm. it's it's a very satisfying playstyle. Awesome. Right, so while Blue's using that card advantage to play more things, Black just goes, uh, I don't have any more cards, but I'll use this three mana to return this dead card back to life. So mm-hmm. it's like a card, That's even though I didn't draw it. Here, here it is again. You dealt with it once, now you have to deal with it again, mm-hmm. and you had to use two cards to do it. One the first time, one the well, second the time. time. That's their form of card advantage, and they all they all seem to have that. Red doesn't. His their card advantage is I don't care about your card advantage. But that's a different <laughs> thing altogether. We can get into that if you want. Let's red's probably red. the most fun to talk about. Red is Carrie, fun to talk about. Do you want about. to take us off with that one, Carrie? Do you want to start us off with Red? All right, uh, Red. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when people are playing a red deck, there's there's a word for a red deck when it's played competitively, and it's called red deck wins. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. The red deck is the brainless. The <laughs> that's brainless. That may be a misnomer. It's shoot first, it's, ask questions later. Yeah, Absolutely. it's like that's it. It's characterized by having a lot of goblins, and goblins are pretty straightforward in most fantasy settings. They're just like they don't necessarily think, screaming at each other, they run and pillage, they're selfish, they want everything. Yeah. Motion. Stabby, stabby. They're all about what I want to do right now. Yeah, yeah. and so go, all it go, is go. is you put your goblins out. They're not very strong, but they come out quick. And they don't have to wait; they just go. There's a lot of them. There's I like a lot of them. I also like the comparison of StarCraft with this uh, concept called Zerging. Zerg, yeah. So you make basically while everybody else is getting their resources out, so that finally they can build the mothership that creates a, a huge dude every turn. Red just says, "Hmm, what if I were to kill you before the before mothership you can is get formed?" There. <laughs> so the Zerging is just making ten million little rat dudes, like in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, little, to be little white, white rat dudes. Really. A white it can still thing. be a white. Thing. It really can be. But yeah, it's, red does it. Yeah, white well, does it a lot too. They call them white weenie. Well. It's yeah. they pair just like blue and black go well together. Red and white go very right, well right, together. Right, right, right. But red is the. Uh, I think we can just say Antipasis, a car. Yeah. Uh, goblin guy. Yeah, goblin guy. Our a typical goblin. It costs one mana. He hits hard. He's a, he got he has two power and one toughness. Oh, he's a two two. He's even oh, better. Two two. Oh, yeah. So while while we talked about earlier about. How you, on one on turn one you can play a one one and turn two you can play a two two. Goblin Guide is a two two for one, so it's already better than the average the average going rate. And unlike green creatures that uh, have to wait a turn before they attack, uh, it comes out and attacks immediately. It just comes right out. Uh, whether they don't get sick or they're sick all the time, this goblin just hits you. He just he doesn't care about how he feels. He's like, there's a thing over there and I want to kill it, so I'm gonna <laughs> hit it right now. And that's really good way to sum up. A, a lot of red. Is there's go now, hit hard. Yeah, there's some red cards where the the whole thing is you don't know who he's gonna hit, but you do know what's gonna hit. Mm. Like you flip a coin, and it <laughs> says if it's if it's heads, deal three damage to yourself. Mm. But you like you t- you take the lid off of the rat that you know like, and you try to catch it in the bag. It's like someone's gonna get hit, and you just don't know who. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It hits hard, it hits fast, and it says 
I just want to kill you before you can even play this big elephant that I can't deal with. Mm-hmm. If you're dead, then the elephant doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. You know, Something that, that has been said about the red deck play style when you face up against it in a tournament, it's almost like a random num- number generator because there really are not that many choices to be made. Okay. If you yeah. draw something, you just play it and then you swing. There's no mm-hmm. thought. Though. So you just you play it. Okay, now I'm attacking. Because there's no other way and to win. And that's like the order in which your cards come to you Almost doesn't matter. Um, well, it, it almost determines the outcome. Yeah, that's true. Because the order in which you play them is going to determine whether or not you have all the firepower you need before you run out of steam. Mm. Because you can only draw one card per turn, right? Mm-hmm. I you, assume you, you can, are. Yeah, you, you can. Normally, you can only draw one card per turn, but with the red, once you get your, your first mana out, you're going to play the card. You get your second mana out, you may play two cards. And so, at that point, you've drawn one, now you're playing two. And when it comes to your third and fourth turn, you may be playing three cards every turn, but only drawing one. So, eventually, you're going to run out of steam. Hmm. You're going to run out of cards to play. Really gotcha. quickly, yeah. Gotcha. And Red wants to win before it does that, too. Yeah. Before it gets to that point. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. The other thing that that really pairs with Red is that you not you, so you get to hit with a few creatures, but they have this thing called direct damage. So, while other like in Black... Like, the spells kill the creatures on the field. Red says, what if I just bypass the field? I can attack you on the field, but once they play some of those type middle-of-the-road type creatures, like a deer or an antelope or maybe a monkey that's not this huge titan but isn't isn't an ant either. It's somewhere mm-hmm. middle of the road. They said, okay, so I have four dudes and I attack with all of them. Two of them are going to get killed because I have two dudes of myself that can block. But now they have spells that just shoot damage right at your face. So they use their creatures to get most of the way there. And then they use this concept called direct damage to go shoot you for three lightning damage, shoot you for the three which lightning damage. Which is also uh, Red's removal. I think that's yeah, a, it's good, their that's removal, a good way which is to an put interesting that. thing because there is an exception to the rule of that. It's just a attack and go. It can Red can play a really good role in a control style deck. Yeah. Okay. Where you can dialogue with an opponent, but primarily with regard to destruction, land destruction, artifact destruction. And uh, dealing direct damage to creatures. Okay. Yeah. And so that's kind of Red's removal. We're talking about removal. Red's removal is to deal damage to creatures rather than just flat out destroy them. So... Like we were talking about earlier, red uh, has a shared common ground with white and this zerging ability. And so white's uh, main thing is to uh, group the people together. This is where humans abide. This is where uh, all your law... This is abiding. where order and, and peace are yes, running wild. Um, yeah. The value of life is actually... Um, it's, it sits here in white, but it's not necessarily just the order, the value of one life, but it's the value of all life. And and actually, in in some cases, uh, white will lose the value of the the single person in order to continue and contain yeah. the value of the greater good, the the mass. Um, and so they are the other color that zergs. They want to play a bunch of small things that work together well to um, to take down the big things. So white will play two creatures that give each other a plus one, plus one, an attack and a defense, and they buff each other up like that. That's very simplistic terms, but essentially that's what's going on with white. More defense. Um, they also want to heal their... Uh, that's not something we've seen in Magic here recently, 
but stopping uh, Red's damage dealing by by healing a creature before it really dies or preventing mm-hmm. that yeah, damage. Right. Preventing damage. Yeah. Preventing damage. It still hits thing. him, it just prevents it, and you know, that kind of thing. And so, uh, White. Actually, I actually don't actually have the most information on White, so if one of you guys can take it. Take it away, Heavy. White, White's a lot like. This is a this is coincidental, but White's a lot like the elves in Lord of the Rings, okay. where you can't you you just can't tell where the break is, and it, there even is one. They're just all in a row, whether they're um, combat elves that stand at the front of the line of the war, or they're the bow and arrow type dudes that stand on top of the wall and shoot you. They're just straight across the board. The the person on my left and the person on my right give me strength. I'm greater because of the people oh. on my left and right. Okay. Very military, uh, very ter- military esque concept. Absolutely. And so, or like 500 with those huge shields. It says, okay, cool. I have one. I have one hand devoted to to my offense, but I have this huge shield. You just can't get in. And so the idea is that even though you have three dudes and I only have two, each of my dudes are are granted uh, advantages from the other dude. And so even though we we are lower in number. Then we we are greater. We we are synergizing because we are greater together as we would be as our, the sum of our individual parts. Okay. And so that's kind of they they have other things that are very military esque. Like there's a very classic card called uh, Glorious Anthem, and it just says creatures you control get plus one plus one. So while Red is going, I have a two two. I have a two two goblin. I have a two two goblin. I have a two two goblin. Red or uh, White will go. I have three two two knights. White knights as well. But then I play this enchantment, which is this type of card that says it's basically adding a rule that often only benefits you or benefits both people, but your deck has a better way to utilize that advantage. And it says all creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So I have just as many creatures as you. Yours hit faster, but mine are now bigger because now they all get, because the brethren around me make me stronger. Now these two twos become three threes because all my creatures get plus one, plus one. Well, we're going to move things along quickly then. Uh, white actually is considered the best removal in the game. Black, no, it's black. Black has the best removal. Are you sure about yes. that? Mm-hmm. Are you sure about that? Doomblade, <clears throat> Murder's Cut, all that stuff. Remember, white is close. What, the difference between and black white and white at least gets rid of it permanently. permanently. That's the, that's its big claim to fame is that it goes okay. While well, black gets removed to the oh, graveyard, it's, it's mass removal. It's mass removal. Yeah, they both have they both whites. have mass removal. That's true. They both have mass removal. They both have this classic spell. Uh, one it, in white called Wrath of God, which is obviously a very white order christian right. <laughs> history thing <laughs> which was used to be a thing for magic. biblical history yeah and it says destroy all creatures and black says um well what is black's called it's damnation damnation <laughs> there you go all creatures are damned uh, get out of here i love it so much yeah it's so in a great obviously just two different they're they're the two sides of the same coin almost. right yep and yep. they actually are the same card I think it almost every black respect. says it can't be regenerated. Okay, and so um, one separate clause. So, so when something goes to the graveyard, uh, if it were to go to the graveyard, you can pay to regenerate it before or as it's going to die, and so it doesn't actually leave. But white says they actually uh, used to be called uh, removed from game, mm-hmm. so it just couldn't go to the graveyard, which means it couldn't be resummoned like a zombie or a werewolf type thing that comes out of the ground instead it's just removed from game it is exiled it cannot come back it doesn't it's in exist a, it's in a bag of holding that's been tied up and thrown into space you're mm. just never going to see it again that is the strongest removal yeah yeah it's the it's the most intense removal black just has a lot of it now you'd one of you had mentioned artifacts what what are artifacts <laughs> the oh. sixth the sixth uh option well not a color 
artifacts are like they don't belong to any specific color pie um, in the sense that they're just tools. Okay. And tools are neither good nor bad. They're sure. often inanimate. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so if you, uh, there are artifact creatures, but they're like machines. They're <coughs> synthetic organisms. Robots. Okay. Robots, yeah. And so a lot of the time, your classic artifact will be equipment. You can put an equipment onto the field, and for an extra cost, you can equip it to a creature, and it has certain effects with a creature. There are other uh, artifacts that have constant effects. Uh, it's it's really almost a catch-all. It's just this neutral thing that does just about everything. Sure. Well, yeah, when it comes to a, a design standpoint, they'll go, well, we don't want to give this certain color all the benefits of this. So they make it colorless, which is the, the concept, because now what it means, if you haven't put two and two together, you can put it in any deck. That makes so, sense. So now, like, so in blue, or excuse me, in white, It'll say it'll say the cost and cost will be two white and then one of any other color. So three total creatures you control get plus one plus one. But in a, an artifact, it could it could cost four generic mana, which means four of any color total. It could be one red, one blue, one black, or two of each, or whatever, or two of one and two of another. But it says a creatures of a certain type that you name get plus one plus one. So it it costs a little more, but then you can you can. Um, make it fit your mold of your deck and so there's no you're not playing white cool but for us for a greater cost you can now get that ability just at a, at a, at a worse rate mm -hmm. you know you get that advantage that that color has uh in so many words you just don't get it as as um efficiently that kind of thing so that sums up the color pie right like that's those are that's those are all the playable cards right uh, yes and no. I in apologize if that's a loaded question. That's not what I meant. Magic <laughs> is big. <laughs> Welcome to magic. <laughs> we spent um, most of our time on one subject. Yeah, so. it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Huge. Um, so what would you say... What's... what's You kind of mentioned a little bit. What's your go-to um, play style and why... Like, why did you... Why it's do you go with that? Way to put that play styles. Carrie, you yeah. want to start with play styles? If you were paying attention to the way I was emoting when I was talking about black... Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> so I really like blue. I like the options it gives. I like that it encourages intelligent interaction mm -hmm. and also dialoguing and dealing with things. Mm -hmm. I love black because you really deal with things. Mm. Black says to blue the sort of things that the Punisher says to the Daredevil in season two. <laughs> okay. okay. It's like, you deal with them and they come right back. I put them down and they stay down. Yeah. Gotcha. And so... It's just a much more direct, yeah, it's damned. a much more hard problem solving, like, it's just more direct and, in, in a way, a little bit more efficient to control them that way, and uh, it also provides more uh, variety in being able to play uh, some big creatures, but also uh, creatures with a lot of utility, a lot of things you can do with it, and so I just, I just like the options it provides, mm. basically. Trenton. Oh, yeah, so I got two colors that he don't have. Uh, green red is my play style for sure. You got a um, Christmas deck. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Christmas time, I'm bringing presents, and they're all going to crush you underneath their feet. <laughs> um, so we got two ways to play green red. You can make your big creatures fast, or you can make your fast creatures big. And really, there's no nice. wrong way to play green. You you go you go hard. And if you lose, you lose because you tried your best. Because really, that's all you can do is try your best and just. Uh, that's really why I go for it. Is because uh, green 
has its uh, fun cards. If if Green's gonna draw cards, it's not gonna draw one card at a time. It's gonna draw all the cards one time, and then <laughs> at the end of its turn, say, "Well, I can't use most of these, so throw oh, them well. away." <laughs> like, or I, did, oh well, I've, I've wasted a bunch of resources. But this turn, I had all the options. Uh, blue has more consistent, of course, uh, card advantage. Green is like, "Here's my whole deck right now. Deal with it." And yeah. I mean, it doesn't always win. Green, red isn't always popular. Blue is really popular in a lot of places, but. Uh, there's a lot of love for green red. Mm-hmm. If you if you're there, I mean you're having a lot of fun. The uh, name for this color is called uh, the Gruel War Clan. Okay. Um, they, the two uh, color combinations all have the, names. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Cool. Sorry, we didn't talk about that for the last one. He can go back and talk about Carry Can if he wants to. But um, so the Gruel War Clan is all about uh, taking down the civilizations and re- restoring nature back to its its uh, original. Uh, look outlook which is let nature grow so tear down civilizations let nature grow and uh the rest of the world be damned so <laughs> that's awesome carrie what was what's your combination na- named demir okay and they're this like a shadow society uh cool. collecting intelligence and dealing justice in the background Right on. Yeah, in, in the kind shadows. Of, kind of a, there are lots kind of, of spies. A, in the, in the Batman alley, kind of. A oh, bit. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's awesome. Play Magic the Gathering, I'm going to play as Batman. That's awesome. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I have an insatiable appetite for control. And control, as Carrie has mentioned, is this uh, kind of buzzword for uh, being the slowest deck. Mm-hmm. Where um, you, you may have a, a something that they play early and you kill it or whatever... But my whole goal is to control what you're doing uh, so much that it, that even though the game is so far from being over, but yet you know you, you all your hope is lost because you've played two or three or four spells and I've answered them all before you can deal with something. Especially when Blue gets to go first. He gets to have his mana untapped, unused for the turn, uh, for the turn cycle, and then you play something. Now you've used your mana already, and I get to respond. I get mm. to now my your options are closed. You've made your decision. Mm. My court's still open, and go okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I want. Blue is by far the most controlling color. White is second, and so Azorius is this concept that knowledge is very very important. White says or blue says knowledge is the most important. White says order is the most important. So they kind of um, goes together well. Yeah, they go they goes together, but they kind of. Um, I look at the other one and say, okay, I can see where I can I can get uh, I can I can Benefit. extract everything I can. I can I see where I can make knowledge better with order. I can see where I can make order better with knowledge. With Demir, you have this this concept where you're going to um, use use whatever means necessary. And and in white, it's that you're not just gonna just because you have knowledge doesn't mean you're gonna use it. And but blue does. It doesn't matter. You, Whatever extraction you can get from from knowing something, you do. And White says, "Slow down a little bit." So they kind of work together and says, "And say, well, I, I know more than you. Let's let's be friends here and and use the, we'll use the system to our benefit." They definitely so, they they write the laws of the game as they play. Right, right. So what I try to do is answer every threat as it happens, mm. and so then on turn twelve or fifteen. Long after your initial game plan has been destroyed, buried, and sent off into space, I play one threat. Sometimes it's really small. Sometimes it has some sort of evasion where it can't be targeted. So you have all these these spells that you could draw off the top of your deck. It says kill target creature. Well, I have an ability that says it can't be targeted. and it, Or maybe it flies, and so all your creatures on the ground can't block it because it flies overhead. 
And even though I just have one dude, I just, you, you continue to play more threats and I counter all those. I get rid of those. Meanwhile, this little bird is pecking you in the air mm. for one damage every turn. That's mm-hmm. a countdown. So, yeah, and so, That's yeah, awesome. it's, it's what they call a clock. They say you have a clock of <coughs> six turns. You're at 12, and you're doing two a turn. In six turns, you're going to die. Mm. And that's that's just kind of what it is. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you play, when you do it, how you do it. I'm just going to get rid of it and continue with my, my one little thread. It's kind of a control deck. But then the problem is, is that I can't stop the top of your deck. So I deal with all of the cards, and I have one little dude... And then, then you you deal with my dude, and now my plan is completely destroyed. Just over because I, I set all this up with all this information to to have a winning strategy in the year 3000. Hmm. And then the year 3000, you go, oh, well, kill all birds. And I have, <laughs> my win condition is a bird. And you kill my birds, and it's like, that's it. I can't win. Because I'll play a bird, and it says, sorry, your bird dies. There's a lot of benefits dead. to it, but... Yeah, the randomness of yeah. the game really is the downfall for that playstyle. So yeah, you 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 deal with everything that they can. There's this kind of uh, saying that people say you can't you can't stop the top of the deck because in black you can take a look at their hand and say I can't deal with that card with the spells in my hand. I'll just remove it from your hand. It's gone. But then you remove their entire hand and they get to draw a card from the turn and it's the card that you can't beat. You can't beat the top of their deck and that's kind of. The, the fatal flaw of blue as well as black is that you deal with what's on the board and they go, here's threat number 75. Gosh, dang it. I only had, I only had answers up through including uh, threat 70, 70, 73 four, yeah. and 74 or whatever. And, and I'm dead. Game over. Good game. Thank you guys so much for coming onto this podcast and hanging out with us. No problem. I was already sitting in your living room. <laughs> this fantastic thing. I, I listened to I, I'm still getting caught up, but to be on the podcast that I listen to is way awesome. So you guys keep up the good work. You guys are the heart of the show. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. We, we definitely appreciate that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will uh, catch you on the next one. See you, nerds. Bye, Felicia. I miss you. <laughs>